Welcome to the Color Mania show where we glorify God and we focus on families. I'm Tanya. I'm Michael. So last episode, we talked about the big famous S word. Do you want to give us an overview? Just give us like a little, little overview of what, what we talked about last yes, time. Yes. The S word meaning sex, <laughs> a word that we have a hard time even saying the terminology, yet we have to talk about this topic with our children. It's part of our duty as a parent. I mean, this is an important topic that we can't just leave our children to fend for themselves on on this. We, we've really got to do our discipleship parental duty. But how do we do is a complicated topic. Are there any best practices out there taught by the leading Christian evangelical teachers on this topic that can help yeah. parents and guide them in how to present the material to their children? And, and we focused on, you know, the major principles is it's got to be an ongoing conversation. This is not yeah. just a, a one and done 20 minute awkward conversation with their teenager. This mm-hmm. has to be from cradle to grave focus, starting at right when they're born, getting used to the terminology right off the bat so that we, we're all just getting used to saying the language. And it's, it's not anything that's just saying the body parts as we're saying all the body parts. And it's not, not something that's shameful or it's, it's, we have to be self-conscious about, but it's, it is special and it is exclusive. So we're just laying the foundation. You can come with, to me with absolutely anything about even this uncomfortable uncomfortable topic and we're talking about the family and, and Genesis and God's design and procreation uh, and coming together as a, mm-hmm. as a family. And this is all part of instilling a Christian worldview as we are having those 30-minute family Bible studies as a family and and instilling a, a heart of discipleship, a, a strong desire to just follow God's ways. Just tell me what they are. I want to follow it. And so it's a lot easier when it's like we just tell them what God's ways are as far as, as God's design with with the with the S with the S word. And we celebrate God's design. The Song of Solomon approach is our main approach. That's a sign and seal of the covenant of of marriage. That it's it's for pleasure, you yeah. know, as well, and it's for uh, procreation and and to produce godly offspring, completing God's image. It's the ultimate intimacy. All that involved in just celebrating that as Song of Solomon celebrates that. And then secondarily, we are the watchmen on the wall where we talk about the the problems of being outside of God's will and his design in this area with premarital sex and extramarital sex and living together and polygamy, uh, homosexuality, LGBTQIA, LMNOP, or whatever the current acronym, it changes daily. So I'm not trying to make fun of that, but just in case you're listening to this and the acronym has changed by this time, um, hopefully you know what I'm referring to. You know, any other sexual deviancy like bestiality is is covered in in the Bible. Yeah. You know, incest, abuse, and God has some harsh words about being outside of his design of disease, and there's unwanted pregnancy and emotional harm, and God talks about hell and wrath and, and, and judgment, and we can't ignore those topics. we got to be the watchman on the wall and warn our children about that. We have a duty to do that, but we don't lead with that. We lead with God's design and celebrating and inspiring them to want to save this for marriage and have them see that this is a beautiful thing. This is not something that's shameful. This is not evil. This is not wrong. We really want to to magnify the beauty of the S word within the container of marriage, but also secondarily warn them on the watchmen on the wall. And with that, that kind of leads us with the topic of today. 
Yeah, that's a, a great overview for our listeners. <clears throat> One of the things that we were talking about last time was the unity of man and woman, and it's designed by God, like like we're talking about right now. And there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible, Old Testament, thinking about Leviticus and also Romans and Corinthians, where you know, that perversion comes in and the, like you were saying, the acronym that we're not making fun of it, but this world is ever changing. So we want to get into some deeper conversations regarding the LGBTQ community, IA, I think. And so we want to really talk about the definition of man and woman and just the design that God created for one man, one woman to have children. And so the world has really skewed that view that you can pretty much do whatever you want. And that is not, that is not, there's so many consequences that happen from sin, right? We know that we see that there's accounts in Genesis where we see, you know, with Lot and and the two angels that came and the whole um, city lusting over these two men or angels. So there's a lot here to speak about. And I know we have experience with some friends that have experienced these things with children. And so, you know, our hearts go out because it's just a uh, devouring state right now in America. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's not the only focus that, that God has on being outside of God's design. And that's an important point to make because sometimes it makes it sound like this is the ultimate sin, you know, that this right. is the worst sin in, in the world. This is the worst sexual sin. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of many, you know, we're, we're kind of focusing on it exclusively in this talk because it is the hot topic of the day. Right. And, and the world is really focusing on, on this, but you know, there's pressures and pushing it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we focus on the other stuff as well, like premarital sex and extramarital and living together and and things like that. But, you know, Bible also talks about the sexual, other sexual deviants like incest and even bestiality. Those aren't necessarily as hot a topics at, at, at the moment. So, you know, we don't want to get too much tunnel vision when it comes to talking about these things with our children and place too much importance on this one topic and make it consume our whole message with our children. Again, we want to focus mostly on the beauty of God's design yeah. between a man and, and a woman and just celebrate that and secondarily talk about these watchmen on the walls issues and even the LGBTQ, our, our temptation is just a, we're so scared of it because it's everywhere that we, yeah. we might just want to focus on this all the time. And the main message that God is presenting gets lost and the beauty of God's design gets lost in that message. Right. So we don't want that to happen. And that's not the purpose that we're trying to do in, in this focus, but we do want to focus on it because it's the main focus in the society yeah. right now. And we, we want to really lay the foundation with our children of what, does God say on the topic? And, you know, quite frankly, everything is about a man and a wife. A, a man shall leave his parents and be joined to his wife. He, he tells, and they shall become one flesh. You know, only a man and a woman can become one flesh. He split his image in two, and that image comes back together when he, after he created a man and a woman, splitting his image in a man and a woman, it comes back together in marriage and with the S word. 
to to produce godly offspring and to be fruitful and multiply. Only mm-hmm. a man and a woman can do that, you know, and that leaves the foundation of God's design. And outside of that design, God says in Leviticus eighteen twenty two through thirty, "You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination." Mm-hmm. You know, we see that word quite a bit. And sex, sexual things are not the only examples of abomination, but that's a common word associated with being outside of God's design with the S word. And, and it, it has the, the feeling of, of disgusting God. It is a perversion. Yeah. And it is, is, there's many words that God's used for sin. And the word abomination is kind of focusing on the perversity. It's, it's perverse. It's twisting God's, God's design in the way he intended it. And it says, you shall not lie with a male as, as with a woman. It is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any beast to defile yourself with it, nor any woman do the same. For by all these nations, all these, the nations are defiled, which I'm casting out before you, lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it as it vomited out the nations that were before you. So what we see here is God kind of almost puts bestiality and homosexuality in the same breath. And he kicked out the nations in the promised land largely due to the fact that they were committing these sins. And he he told the Israelite people, don't think I won't do that to you and kick you out of the promised land if you go the way that, that they have gone. And God, through Paul in Romans 1, reasserts this, this foundation, this biblical mandates and commands in Romans 1, where, you know, if you recall, I mean, the, the Greek culture was highly sexualized, as just like today's culture, if not worse, they had in their temple worship, you had temple prostitutes, whether heterosexual and homosexual prostitutes. Many would take a turn. It was actually a glorified career to to be a temple prostitute. Corinthians especially had a, a patron goddess, Aphrodite, the goddess of procreation and sex, and it was just celebrated. It wasn't uncommon for, for people to have child homosexual lovers, you know, have servants that they were, that's what they were dedicated to do, to be a homosexual lover. And, and the church wasn't immune to this. People who became believers in the Greek culture of the Greeks were coming into church. And Paul had to address this because you had people that didn't necessarily have already dropped this pagan behavior and they're coming into the church. And he speaks very strongly about it uh, in Corinthians and Romans. And in Romans 1, Paul says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie mm-hmm. and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave, gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I mean, here we here we see some very strong words. I mean, yeah. that they are worthy of death. I mean, a lot of these sexual acts would get the death penalty in Leviticus. They couldn't get the death penalty during the Roman occupation because the Romans wouldn't allow them 
to have the death penalty, but he was very blunt in saying they're worthy of death and not not only they do they do these things, but they also approve of those who, much like today's culture, those that, that do these acts. And you also have those that approve of those who practice them. And you know, what kind of words does he use to describe homosexuality? He calls it wicked, unrighteous, not fit, fitting, sexually immoral, debased, against nature, vile. It's exchanging the natural use for what God intended is unrighteous, unclean. It's dishonoring their bodies. I mean, that's pretty strong language um, that God uses to describe being outside of God's design in this area. Yeah, I mean, this is so, so true. And we see a lot of, unfortunately, we see a lot of Christians that support this view, support, you know, maybe there's a family member that has decided that they are now a different gender or they're going into that lifestyle of the LGBTQIA and they basically support it. And this is a really difficult topic, especially for somebody that we love, you know, in a family, but God's word stands forever. It never fades. And so we have to remain faithful to the word. And it doesn't mean that we hate because that's not, we're not conveying that we are to love people, but we are also to remain standing bold in the word of God and speak the truth. No, I'm not supporting this view of yours. I'm not supporting this lifestyle. So I just think that, you know, everything that you're saying with all these verses, which are completely the word of God, it's truth that our listeners, there could be someone here saying, well, but I have a daughter and I have a son. And those are really difficult topics. And I ask that get on your hands and knees and pray that God would give you wisdom, that God would give you discernment, but do not do not stray away from the word. Like we have to stand strong with the word, even if it's our children. And we pray against that, of course. But these are topics where a lot of children are being swept away. Gender confusion. You hear all these people getting gender reassignments. Sad because this is devastating to the person's life and and identity. Oftentimes we forget about what the Bible says on that gender confusion and, you know, transgender kind of issues. Deuteronomy 22.5 is blunt about that as well. It says, a woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. There's that word again. It's a, it's perverse. It's not the way God intended. He said he created them male and female, male and female. God created them. He repeats that Mm -hmm. emphatically that all of creation Living beings were created, man and woman was created male and female. And we, we are not to confuse God's creation in that. But that's a very strong message nowadays. You probably have apples and other fruits thrown at you if you start, <laughs> start preaching that, that yeah, out, or on, being out on, the, on the streets, you know, get on your soapbox and, and start preaching. Yeah. Um, then, and, and certainly, you know, if you got a business, you're going to be boycotted. And this is not a popular message. The biblical message on this has kind of gotten lost. And what we have is, is the population of the LGBTQIA has pretty much won this argument. And a lot of Christians, church going, professed Christians are disregarding what the Bible says on this as as well. So in, in that kind of cultural climate, 
how do we talk about this with our children? And it's, and like you said, I mean, we don't want to come across as being hateful because God is not all about hate, but we don't want to accept what God does not accept in his word. If we're going to be Bible believing Christians, how do we navigate that climate? And Mm -hmm. I, I think that's why it's so important that before there is ever an issue with our children, before they've come into contact with this at all, we've already had many conversations from birth about the beauty of God's design and laying that foundation from Genesis that God made woman from male, created a male and female, and they join in marriage for the purpose of of procreation to create a family, that that is God's design. And and others may call this alternative lifestyles, but that's not what God calls us. God calls us outside of God's design, anything that's that's not between a marriage, a man and a woman in marriage. And we've, we've got to talk about that many times before there is ever an issue. And, you know, we've got to limit as much as we can exposure, especially to the agenda, um, what they're watching on TV. It's everywhere, even in the, in the cartoons for children. I mean, every show has to have somebody in there that represents the LGBT QIA population in order to just kind of normalize it. It's just a normal part of society. Even on commercials, you'll, you got to watch your kids watching commercials. You may be watching a perfectly innocent television show, but there comes a commercial on and you've, you've got uh, two, two men kissing each other, you know, and we've got to limit exposure because every, every time they see that it is preaching a worldly gospel that this is normal and that this is okay. And the culture and the media and everything is preaching that this is normal and okay every day. So if we ignore this or just have a one-time conversation about that, that is woefully, that to say that is woefully inadequate is a massive understatement um, to go against this tide of culture that goes against God's word. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's really important for us to get ahead of it, but also we're just constantly combating. It's, it's definitely a spiritual battle. I think I said that in the last episode where the enemy is truly after our children because they're easily swayed or, or depending on how they feel, the world will help them feel comfortable. Oh, you're feeling depressed. It's because maybe, maybe it's because of your gender or this. And so it's really important for us to really set a hedge of protection around our children. And I know we can't, we as parents cannot be there every second of the day and we can't see everything that our children are seeing. But in the home where I said before that we stand on Deuteronomy 6 and we teach our children, that is our sole responsibility that God has given us as parents. I mean, he He gave us the child that came to us in our womb and said, you are responsible for this child, right? You are to raise them to know me. And I just see that we have to be diligent and persistent and really pursue a deeper relationship with our children, as well as living out Christ in the home, but just pursuing our kids, especially our teenagers. A lot of times we feel our teenagers don't want us And that's the moment where we need to pursue them with deeper love so that they don't get wrapped up into something 
such as this type of LGBTQI community? Yeah, we've got to tip the balance because today's culture, they're just being preached a very worldly gospel constantly. And, you know, in regard to the topic here, the LGBTQ is, Q is everywhere. And in contrast to, on average, parents spend about seven minutes a day in meaningful conversation mm-hmm. with their children. How many parents are having those 30-minute Bible studies every day? How many conversations have parents had about the LGBTQ and talking about God's design for marriage? We've got to tip the balance. We can't have the worldly message being preached every day and we as parents and the church being silent on the topic. Instead, it has to be just the opposite. We need to pay attention to what our children are seeing on TV, what they're getting on through their their phones. We need to get some controls on technology. We've let that get away from us. We've got to pay attention as to what worldly message they're being preached to every day. And at the same time, we need to do our parental discipleship duty as God. That's one of our primary jobs as parents is to disciple our children in Deuteronomy 6 principles as we go, as well as those in-life lessons and the, the, as well as formal Bible studies and what is God's commandments and designs in general, but not avoiding this topic either and having that ongoing conversation about um, what God's design is for marriage and the S word. I totally agree. And it's just really sad to see a lot of our children getting swayed in different directions, but we have to be prayerful parents prayerful mothers and fathers that pretty much get over the bed and pray, you know, when they're sleeping or, you know, outside their bedroom door. And prayer is a powerful thing. And God says to pray without ceasing, give thanks in all things. And we are to continue to do that because that's his will. And so as we're talking about this, it just, it, it just gets me kind of worked up because, you know, I want to save every child and it's just difficult to get that communication out there to these kids. And so I know for us, this is definitely on our hearts where we want to convey the Deuteronomy six, just conveying the identity of who our children are. Like they're made in the image of Christ and that's who they are. They were, they were made a girl or a boy inside the womb, even before God created them. They were destined to be who that, who they were to be. So like for us, you know, we have a daughter and that's who she is, a daughter. And, and we're just so grateful for that. But we have to convey and allow her to see her identity in Christ and to, to walk in that and to trust his word and really stand up against the culture. Yeah. And, and I like what, what you do. We have a six year old daughter. Five-year-old daughter. <laughs> <laughs> you always get that. Mixed up. I, I, I know. I'm like, she's growing up so big. I keep thinking of her I know. as a six-year-old. I'm like, don't give her an extra year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but um, you know, I, I I like the way they'll just be playing around in in the the bathroom, and, and you know, we talked about how you, you first start off just talking about body parts and things like that. But a lot of times, I, I hear you transitioning straight <laughs> yeah. to 
to marriage, you know, who do, can we marry a tree? No, you kind of make it fun. No, can you, know, can you marry a house? No, you marry, you marry a man, right? Yes. yes. It's God's design in marriage where a man marries one woman, you know, so you're already laying that found foundation. You know, you're talking about God's design. It's very important that we have that foundation completely. And we, we got to be careful, you know, we send them off to public school. Yes. What are, what are they learning in, in, public school we if we choose to do that we got to be all over the curriculum we got to and it's not just the curriculum and the teachers but who's in the classrooms you know if yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's normalized and if you have somebody that's in the LGBTQIA community and in the classroom and they're making special accommodation for that then that's going to be an issue we want to counteract what they're watching on TV. Yeah. You know, we take a strong stance in that, you know, we homeschool because we're worried about what our daughter's going to be contacted and, with in, in public school. She doesn't watch TV. You know, not everybody can do some of these things, but if they're going to public school, we, we've got to, we've got to be on it. We've got to visit those classrooms and spend a day and, and sit in the classrooms and monitor and see what's, what's going on there, getting a copy of the curriculum. I mean, it's, we've, we've got to be on it. Yeah. And I want to say, you know, I give props to American Family Radio because they did great work at a marriage conference this year in 2021, where they kind of brought in different people. And we looked at just statistically from public school, homeschool and private school or Christian, Christian private schools. And so we are definitely supporters of homeschool. The first reason for that is because we want God to be instilled in our daughter's heart. And I'm not saying that it's impossible to have a believer in public school. But one thing that I heard on the radio was, would you send your child to a different country with a book bag without being skilled or trained? Would you do that? I know that I wouldn't send my child on a plane to fly to another country to be a missionary by herself. You know, so I think about that with school, you've got just a lot of noise in the public school and you've got the influence of 40 plus hours a week and then less influence from the parents. So we want to kind of reverse that and have more influence on our child than what the public school is doing, because this is where the hearts of our children can be one and they can see, okay, my parents love me. My parents are giving me truth, but the world will say, well, we'll give you whatever. So, you know, with public school, I think it's just a lot of work and there's single moms out there. And I, my mom was a single mom. So I completely understand how difficult it is and that you may desire that you have your child at home. And you know, you know what? You can do it. You have to pray and God will show you. One of the speakers, I can't remember his name, but he was speaking on all these amazing apologetics. And then at the very end, he said, um, I'm one of six and my mom was a single child and single I'm a single mom. mom, sorry, single mom. And she homeschooled all of us. And we were just like, wow, if a mom can do it, I mean, moms, you guys, we wear like a billion hats. Okay. So I know we can just figure it out, but yeah, we do need support. We do need help from family to help us watch children. But you know, I just think that if God, if that's where God is leading you, then you need to act on it. 
you will be blessed. Yeah, and you know, a good private Christian school may be an option. It's expensive, but there are scholarships out there. There may be even some special scholarships for single parents to private school. Make sure there's a good Bible-believing Christian school. But keep in mind, though, that a private school might not be the perfect remedy. Right. You know, you, you got to make sure there's a lot of private schools that might nece- not necessarily have uh, very strong teachers with a strong biblical worldview. You, you can have a smattering of that. Some of the research on that is not all that encouraging where there's there's teachers, there's a d- differences in, in whether teachers feel committed to be there because they want to disciple people in the way of the Lord, or it's, it's a job, the teaching job, but not necessarily something that they feel strongly about this as far as tying it into to the Bible. And you got to worry about the students that are constantly changing and the student makeup yeah. that's there. I mean, you can you got LGBTQIA people in church. And so just going to a youth group outing, our kids are going to be in contact. So that's the important thing to keep around. We're not going to be able to protect our children from exposure to this. And it might be impossible to avoid to a larger larger degree. And it it could be impossible to avoid if our our kids are actually starting to, to profess going that way. You know, what do we do as a parent in that regard? If that were to happen and we're going to witness to somebody who is in the LGBT community or our child is involved with that, we've got to be careful again not to now pounce with God's the watchman on the wall and about judgment and shame and sin and you're going to hell and and things like that, especially if they're not a believer. If someone is not a believer, we primarily need to to share with them the gospel, telling them they're sinning when they don't believe in a God who defines this as a sin. It's not going to be very helpful. We we need to first get them saved and, and talk about the love of God and the gospel. And once they're saved, become a passionate Jesus follower and disciple and then show how once when they see that that anything they're doing is outside of God's design. They just have this passion to get in God's design and count the cost and, and know that they sometimes have to give up friends and believe friends and associates and even what they identify with because they love the Lord more. So we got to be careful. You know, if it's our own child, not pressing too hard, we don't want to do the Holy Spirit's job. Let the Holy Spirit work. It's his job to convict. We need to be hard in prayer. We still have to do the old adage, love the sinner, don't accept the sin. And there's a hard balance to to strike, but we've got to figure out how to strike it in every instance that that we give unconditional acceptance to the person, but we don't accept what God defines as sin. We don't go along with the pronouns. We don't go along with the name right. changes. But instead of hammering how much they are in sin, we we are hammering how much God loves them. And in the case of our child, how much we love our child. We've been telling them all along, you can come to us with anything, absolutely anything. Can they come to us when they say they are struggling with gender identity? Yes, I truly like this is a hard topic. And because someone could be listening to us right now about this and struggling with their own child, even very young age. But we have to have open arms to be able to have an open communication with our child and also set those boundaries. Like this is not who God made you to be. And so I really think it starts with us. I believe it starts with us 
We have to set the foundation in our homes. Who are we going to follow? As Joshua said, we will follow the Lord. And I believe that as we are obedient children of God, then our children will see that and our children will desire that. And I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect because we know believers that have are strong believers and situations like this have happened and we're praying it hard and we just know that God's plan is going to be revealed. But these people stand so strong on the word and will not be swayed by the world, which is really important. And there's there's help out there and resources for parents. So the AFA conference, there was the organization Seven Stones, I believe it was called. Yes. That, um, you know, people that were involved in the LGBTQ lifestyle that have been uh, saved and vic- become victorious over this and now are helping others. They, they spoke at this conference on how to help our children through this. And they yeah. said, you know, 80 to 95 percent of kids that are having some gender confusion, work, it works itself out if, yeah. if we don't encourage them to just experiment with whatever notion comes into into their head sometimes hormones can get out of balance and things that people they've been coming in contact with can kind of encourage them to go with some of these thoughts that they're confused with but 80 to 95 percent of those will work them out if we don't just encourage them to actually experiment with this that's why you've we've got to accept the person unconditionally don't hurt the relationship while they may be going through this, but also still not accept, still give the very firm message. We don't accept this sinful lifestyle. We're not going to go along with any change of pronouns and yeah. any change in the name. I named you. Yes. You know, I, we, God we, gave us right, we, we spent forever, you know, praying about what the perfect name is for you. And, uh, we're not changing that. Yeah. This is who you are. You are, your identity is a child of God. You know, yeah. we're not compromising on that, but we're not pressing too hard. That is, that's the, one of the big mistakes that parents have is just they, they press too hard and drive their kids away. And we yeah. got to watch out for that and let the Holy Spirit do most of that work. So we're coming to a wrap on our podcast. And there's so much to say. And I know we're probably going to have a part three to continue on with just a couple more topics in our next podcast. So yeah, I mean, this is a lot of stuff and, you know, I ask our listeners to be prayerful, pray for us, be prayerful for your children. And if you're not familiar with Deuteronomy six, please look it up. It's in the old Testament and it is something that we live by. We have that on our wall. Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. But also it is the responsibility of the parents to raise their children and teach them in the way they should go with the word of God, like letting them know who God is talking about it in the way when they wake up and when they go to sleep, just at all times, it should be a conversation, a fragrance to the Lord in your home. So as we wrap up this podcast, we will continue our conversation in the next podcast talking about the S word. And so we look forward to having you guys back and listening to us. Is there anything else that, that you have? Well, I think the remaining topics are, are dealing with the important topics of pornography, dating, yeah. 
and technology, getting that technology reined in with some controls on that. So those are the the remaining important topics that we'd like to discuss uh, on the S Word as we're raising passionate Jesus followers based on a book that we read by the Comers, I believe, Phil and Diane Comer, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers, definitely a book we would recommend uh, to read on how we can raise our children to be passionate disciples Mm -hmm. of Jesus, which is what this is all about. All right. Well, we thank you again for listening. Thank you for joining the Kohler Mania Show and where we glorify God and we focus on families. We'll see you next time. Thank you.